The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you take your training seriously but have a busy life, sleep can be one of the main things that makes your life and training great or terrible. Taking Pillar's Triple Magnesium 30 to 60 minutes before bed every night means that your sleep quality will improve, recovery will improve, and you can wake up the next day ready to train, work, be a good partner, friend, or parent. Stop letting your poor sleep make you tired and grumpy. Head to Pillar Performance's website, get yourself some Triple Magnesium, and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Magnus Ditliv, welcome to the Triathlon Hour. During the week, me and you, Magnus, we did an Instagram post together where we shared some specific power, heart rate, and speed data about your PTO European Open ride, which was a crazy, crazy ride, by the way. And people seem to love seeing that that data and insight. So we sort of thought that um, we could we could jump on the show and talk about it all in a little bit more detail. Uh, maybe starting with a, a PTO European Open race report type of thing from. The moment that your race started on the swim start line to the moment you crossed the finish line. Yeah, okay. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on again, Jack. <laughs> it uh, was a little bit difficult to figure out a time slot for this with the time zone shifts uh, to Denmark versus Australia and also that I'm in heavy Ironman training at the moment. But uh, I'm glad that we managed. And then... With the yeah, I think I can just start with the the swim in the PTO European Open. Uh, obviously, I knew that it would probably be one of the fastest swims in a, a like non-drafting race you will ever get because you have Christian and then the Jan and Ali and Royal and a lot of really strong swimmers and also strong bikers that wanted to separate Christian from the group and probably also me. Uh, so I was prepared for for like a really uh, fast swim and I'd been swimming swimming well in training. So it that has probably been my main focus during the winter is to focus on the swim. Uh, so I was hope, hopeful that I would uh, be able to show some progress. And then the start went and it was a, a beach start where we were running... It got pretty deep. Very, I mean, we were not running that far into the into the water, so we started swimming. And the first thing that happened when I jumped and uh, make the dolphin uh, dive into the water was that my glasses uh, almost fell off. So they were completely full uh, of with the water, which is normally not a problem. But as I'm using uh, contact lenses, I think it's called yeah in English. Uh, and I really can't, cannot see without them. It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty difficult situation when you get water into your goggles because uh, it can kind of uh, remove the contact lenses from the eyes. And if that happens, I can. I basically won't be able to see anything, and I definitely cannot uh, ride my bike. <laughs> so I was really worried about uh, after that happened that. Uh, they would fall like fall out of my eyes. So the beginning was really uh, hectic for me, where I was kind of 
thinking about should I stop and empty my goggles or, or, and then lose a lot of time or should I try to swim and hope that the, the water in my <laughs> goggles doesn't uh, pull out the lenses. Uh, so it was actually, I, I I decided just to keep on swimming and I couldn't really see anything because there was just water everywhere in my <laughs> goggles. So it was not the perfect start for me. Uh, and it was, wasn't until like the after 1000 meters or something like that, where there is a, an Australian exit where we go onto the beach again, that I was able to empty my goggles and I could kind of get an overview of the situation. Uh, and I saw that I was in the group with Christian uh, because he had a different color like swim cap than the others. So I could see him just a few few places uh, up front. So I figured it wasn't like really, uh, I didn't know where I was, but I thought, okay, Christian is with me. So that's that should be okay. And then we go out onto the second loop of the swim course, uh, and we are like, uh, I was, I'm on the feet of uh, someone, and I can see suddenly that there is a gap in front of him that the guy I'm swimming on's feet is like uh, losing the feet in front of him. Uh, so I and I was feeling pretty pretty well at that time, so I decided to swim up next to him and try to close the gap and when I when I look into the the eyes of the guy I was swimming on his feet I see that it is Cam Worth and at that time I was like really uh, starting to panic because I thought I had really hoped that I would be usually I swim much faster than Cam Worth so I really started thinking oh shit this might not be the best swim for me but <laughs> it, it turned out that uh he actually had a really good first lap, so he was in the group with Christian. And then he, when the, when the, he opened up the gap to the the person in front of him, he just completely uh, blew up. <laughs> he actually came over to me afterwards and uh, apologized like three or four different uh, <laughs> times because he was so uh, embarrassed. But I, I just said that it's. I just thought it was a pretty funny story and I remember looking him into the eyes and I, at that moment I just thought oh no it's uh, <laughs> uh, a great story but actually I managed to get up to the the, the guy the group again after uh, the, the gap had opened so was pretty pleased with that and yeah uh, came into T1 with a, like the second group I guess you could call that uh, with the you the really fast swimmers uh, and a lot of the fa favorite group uh, favorites were in the front group and I think we were maybe out of T1 90 seconds behind uh, and I like around the 90 second is usually where I am in a PTO race would like, that's pretty what I I had obviously hoped to be a bit closer, but it wasn't like really bad. I was I was all right with that actually going onto the bike, and I saw that Christian was there. Uh, and beforehand, my main uh, like concern and worry was the biggest focus point for me was how to handle the situation that we probably knew would happen when I was going to ride past Christian. Uh, because that's, in my opinion, one of the most uh, crucial moments in the race, not just for me, but for a lot of uh, the other guys. And I was pretty aware of that. So obviously, I didn't just wanted to bring him along. Uh, so I actually, I lost a little bit of time in the transition, but I 
rode up to Christian and sat behind. Uh, Jason West was uh, directly after Christian, and then now I was after uh, Jason. Uh, so that's pretty basically the two best runners in the sport at the moment that I was. Uh, I had to make sure I didn't uh, like bring up to the front guys, um, and I wanted to let him do some of the work and see kind of if he was able to uh, bring back some of the time and close the gap. So I was maybe sitting there for like I can't remember if it was half a lap or one lap. I took some splits after each turnaround and I could pretty quickly see and also felt that it wasn't, we weren't closing. In fact, I think uh, the front group uh, took out time on us on the first lap. Uh, and then I just decided to go. And obviously I rode really hard to try not to bring Christian along, uh, but he was able to respond, uh, unfortunately for me. And we were, uh, yeah, going pretty hard that that part of the course uh, also uh, closing the gap uh, quickly to the front group and I felt like at some points I was actually having a small uh, gap on Christian but then he would always come back to me and it's uh, he's really he's really good at eating himself I could tell because it was as if the elastic band was about to break all the time but all the time he just managed to to get back uh, and then at one point, I think uh, I sat up and wanted to let him uh, participate also in closing the gap. But he he shouted something that uh, I couldn't hear exactly. But it was clear that he was said that he wasn't able to like to to ride that much faster. So I just decided to continue with what I was doing and closed because I was thinking like if. If we just sit here and look at each other, then none of us will even get to the podium. And I was racing for the win. So I thought that, okay, now I will just close this gap and then I'll have to find a way uh, to deal with uh, Christian later. Uh, so I closed the gap to the front group and had been riding really hard uh, for a long time. It took, took some time to close the gap. And so I decided to sit in for for a few laps and then I, I was trying to when you are riding in a pack like that you can kind of see from behind how people are behaving and if someone is struggling and then I saw that Jan was actually opening a gap up to Max and Kyle and Ali it was I think at that time it was Ali that was really pushing the pace in the front group uh, and I think it was going up one of the hills that the, the gap started to open up uh, but I just thought that okay, he Jan will probably close it again on the downhills. He might just be smart. But I saw pretty quickly that the gap just keep uh, kept growing, which I thought was interesting and uh, made a plan to because I I knew I would be able to close that gap uh, pretty easily with how I was how I was feeling at that time. But then again, I didn't want to just bring all the other guys in the, in the group with me. Uh, so I wanted to to wait until the gap was big enough for me to make a search so that I had some time before I caught them to get rid of the, the the rest of the group. So I was sitting in the group for some time and when when I figured that the distance between the front group and our group was big enough, I tried to to go past and it was I think Aaron Royal that was leading our group at that time. And I could see 
uh, from looking behind that he was trying to go with me, but also that after I think one of the descents where I usually go really fast compared to to the other guys uh, that I got the gap I wanted and then I was able to to bridge up to the front group, but that also had required quite <laughs> a search. It's probably the race I've done like the 70.3 and PTO uh, races where I have been searching the most on the bike and pacing it uh, like really uneven. So I could also feel in my legs that it would be, I could have gone to the front, but I'm not sure I would have changed anything. Like, I don't think we would have gotten a gap to, I would have been able to ride away without investing really a lot. And that would probably damage my, my run. Uh, a lot also so i decided uh, to sit in the back of the group for the rest of the ride as i was also pretty confident going into the race uh, on my run so and then of course ellie was really drilling the pace up front he was going really hard on some of the sections i almost got dropped at one point because i had just closed the gap and then when i came up to the group it was kyle that was leading and then just when I bridged to the to the group, uh, Ellie went to the front and made a huge surge. So I almost got dropped just when I had closed the gap because I was trying to get some uh, <laughs> some fresh legs and soak in some air. But uh, yeah, I managed to stay with the group until T two and save some energy there. And yeah, I could feel from the beginning of the run that I was I was running strong. Uh, I didn't wear a watch. I wanted to to race on feeling and really race the race and not just stick to some numbers, but also that the especially Kyle and Ali were going out in a pace that I <laughs> I wouldn't be able to follow. And I also knew that that's usually their kind of way of racing is that they go out really hard uh, in the first kilometers on the run, and sometimes they fade a bit, which I was hoping for and. So I wasn't too worried about them running. I think they actually took out more than 30 seconds on us, uh, on Max and I, uh, for the first three Ks or something, which is pretty crazy because I think we were maybe running 315 uh, per kilometer at that <laughs> at that point. So, And I heard that we had more than one minute down to Christian and, and Jan, which was, uh, uh, that was an, uh, really a, a cool a dynamic and race uh, like situation uh, because I thought I had something to do here and Max was running a little bit faster than me unfortunately I had a not the best T2 so he was maybe out five seconds in front of me out of the transition so and we were running close to the same pace he was just maybe two seconds per kilometer faster the first uh, kilometers of the race so it was all very like very tight racing uh, the entire run and also with the the nature of the this run course with a lot of turns you could always see where people were and if someone was starting to fade and someone was gaining so that was really uh, I really love these uh, PTO races as it's such tight racing and and the dynamics are just really fun to to be a part of but I could see that uh, Kyle and Ellie were fading uh, after, yeah, I can't really remember, maybe seven or eight kilometers. So 
I started, we started, I think I overtook them. And then Christian was, I was holding the gap down to Christian pretty well. And Max was uh, constantly gaining a little bit. So I was running in second for, for a short period of time. And then Christian came by and passed me. Uh, yeah, and I knew I, I wasn't, I was running strong, but I wasn't able to match that pace at, at the time. I felt like I was stuck in one gear on the run where I, it was a decent pace, but I couldn't follow attacks and change uh, like on the bike where I could feel like I was a, like a racing car with a lot of different opportunities uh, here on the run. It was more uh, just one gear uh, that I had. So I just, was just running for third place uh, for most of the most of this race. Uh, and also I could see that. Jan was not gaining that much time and also Jason West that was moving really fast from behind was also too far behind to catch me. So the last two laps on the run course, it was just about making sure I didn't do any stupid mistakes and, and keep the pace going for the rest of the the rest of the run course. When Jan started dropping back a little bit and you sort of... Um made your plan to let it let the gap grow a little bit and then surge and get across to the front group and, and hopefully drop Christian and Jan, which you succeeded in doing. What power did you have to push to, to actually make the break and drop them and get over to the front guys? Uh, I haven't like uh, analyzed into much detail about that uh, peak, but I would assume it's usually I don't go much above 450 or 60 I, I would assume it would be five minutes around 450 460 uh, for that section and then on reflection would you do things exactly the same uh it's it's difficult i think i think uh, actually i played my cards pretty well uh it's a very difficult situation uh, coming out of the water with Christian and it was something I my coach and my team had been talking a lot uh, about beforehand how I should handle that uh, so I think as I wasn't able to get away from him the first time it was like I'm I'm pretty proud of of the small idea or what you can say I got with letting the gap open and then trying to bridge across I think it's it, it was pretty <laughs> if I may say so myself, but pretty clever uh, racing. So I think it's difficult for me to have done anything uh, very different. I think the only thing I would have wanted to do was maybe trying to get into T2 in first place so that I could uh, maybe respond when Max, uh, if I was coming into like starting the run just a few seconds in front of Max instead of uh, after I might have been able to go with him for some time as we were running pretty much the same pace for the first 10k uh, so I think that that is one thing I would have I would try to make different for next time is try to position myself better into the the transition zones and also focus <laughs> some more on my transitions as they were pretty poor it's funny in a way isn't it because Max and Alistair and Kyle and, and Jan and the boys up front in a way, it's your fault that Christian even got close to getting up to that front group. But then on the other hand, it's also because of you that he, he ended up being 60 seconds down into T2. So it's sort of like a, 
like maybe you sort of balanced things out there. I think Jan was was always going to drop at that late late stage, but I think without you making that really really clever and and race defining move, I think Christian wouldn't have got dropped by that front group. So yeah, it, it is it was like like you said, it's not being arrogant or anything like that. It was a really clever, smart tactical move, and it was probably the reason Christian didn't win the race. But then the irony is that the reason Christian got up to the front as well is also because he had your wheel to sit on. Like it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really, and it's something uh, that I'm pretty, I think sometimes people just think I just race to get to the front, but it's actually something I'm very aware of when I'm doing the race and beforehand trying to figure out because I know that I have a quite large, like I'm not even sure uh, that Christian would have, gotten onto the podium in this race if it wasn't for me uh, so I know I have a lot of impact on how people's races can pan out and I try not to <laughs> like even though I'm racing for myself also I think if I just had brought Christian up to the front guy, guys and then had a really shit run then some people might have been a little bit annoyed uh, on that move so I, I try to to think about how I'm also yeah how I'm racing for the win and how I can play my cards. It's it's pretty cool to have the these opportunities. So how in the future, like let's say that the next two PTO races, how can you create a situation where you don't take Christian to the front group? Uh, uh, as I also said earlier, I'm working really hard uh, on my swim and it is it has already improved a lot in the pool, but are we like not it's not really reflecting it in the open water uh, yet. And that's something I hope will come with experience and, and just more. I was never like a, a swimmer in my youth or anything. So I have a lot of improvement to make just by swimming a lot and focusing on my technique. So obviously, if I can come out of the water in a better position in these races, then it will open a lot of doors. And it's they're like right now I'm forced to race hard on the bike if I want to to try and win these races whereas if for instance if I was coming out of the water in the uh, with the front guys uh, I could play my cards by just sitting in the group and hope for a much better run because I really believe that the way I rode here in Ibiza it's something that when you search so many times for so so long periods also it's something that takes out a lot of your legs so i think the key for me is is the swim it has already gotten a lot better compared to just two years ago but there's still some some work to do do you think that when you caught that front group do you think there was another way you could have played it so that you entered t2 solo not with anyone I think if I had just gone to the front, I could, I'm not sure I would have been able to go solo. Maybe Ali would probably have gone with me. And I'm just, it's always a balance of of uh, thinking about, like, that's the beauty of triathlon is that you have three disciplines that you can spend a lot of energy in one of them. And then the, the one of the other ones will kind of be impacted by that. So I think you have to, I probably would have been able to go harder on the bike and maybe create some more separation, but I'm also not sure that would have been ended up with a better outcome in the end as 
it can really damage your running legs. And when you sat up on the bike um, going up the hill and sort of like waved your arms at Christian to say, hey, come on, do some work, are you angry at all at him? Are you frustrated? Or is it purely just you want to, you know, play some tactics to try and make him um, use his legs and, and you get a chance to sit on and save yours? Uh, I think normally I'm quite uh, calm and <laughs> and not very aggressive guy, very uh, silent, <laughs> not shouting at people. But in, in races, I can be, it's like I go into a, another zone where i can actually i was a bit annoyed by it because i also knew if i managed to to break him now then it can really set me up for a good race so it's of course it's something that annoys you that he was but i don't it wasn't i wasn't accusing him for sitting too close or something i think maybe it was even just me being annoyed that i wasn't able to to make to create the gap i wanted so it was not that i was angry at him it was more that i was a kind of a bit pissed that i wasn't able to to get a gap on on him so maybe a bit more annoyed on myself you could say even though i was pushing some some really decent numbers okay so this is the interesting stuff magnus this is this is what the triathlon hour can do that that we didn't do in the past um i want to i want to dive into that a little bit What, what are you guys saying to each other like when you're annoyed at christian in that situation are you like actively yelling at him and you know a choice choice word shared yeah i think i, I can't remember <laughs> i think just i think i can't remember the exact exact words but i think i told him to uh, to come to the front and do some work and and share the load but uh yeah and i couldn't actually i i i remember that he shouted he shouted something back to me and didn't sound very positive, so I took it as <laughs> as a way of him saying that he wasn't uh, going to do it or wasn't able to do. So I I kind of continued. <laughs> and did you hear anything else like that out in the course? Was was that the only sort of um, example of of bit of fiery chat going out um, throughout the race, or was there other stuff between other people or yourself and other people? No, uh, that was pretty much it. Uh, the only words I exchanged with someone, I think, during the race. <laughs> I was watching back today because I'd sort of forgotten about it over the last week, but then then I was reminded of it, of, of Alistair Brownlee getting a bit angry during the day. So he like a, a pedestrian crossed across in front of him um, and he sort of like yelled at them and, you know, sort of sweared at him a bit um which is probably fair enough mm. but then I, I watched that clip today of him throwing water on like a photographer <laughs> or a volunteer yeah. or a cop or yeah, someone I saw like that, that today also <laughs> yeah and it just it just makes you like those races when people haven't been in them they are pretty fiery and combative aren't they mm, yeah, yeah i think people unless you have been a competitive athlete yourself you don't really understand how much focus like how focused you actually are and sometimes you can get really uh like i bet alistair when he was like the pedestrian walked out in front of him it, he shouted mainly because he got kind of uh like a fright like a bit shocked yeah yeah he was really shocked because he was so focused on on what you're doing and then something that you really don't expect happens so you get really shocked and that's probably a way for him even though um it was probably just an in- instinct for him to shout and not because he really like yeah i i wouldn't think that he it's something that i just don't think that it's pure shock and 
also when you are like it, it can be a way of for instance i've also had in the past if if i have had a puncture or something like that i i just feel like i need to like even just shouting or or doing some gesture with your hands towards someone is a way of letting go of some of the negative energy you have inside you and then after you have done a, a thing like that it's easier to kind of refocus on the task you have ahead so it's it's like a way of uh, yeah letting go of some negative thoughts and then getting back to 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 focus again if you've got races coming up or you want to improve your swimming over a break period because you're sick of being slow in the water and want to be in better positions going onto the bike and stop leaking time to people who are swimming faster than you yet easier than you then get yourself some form goggles i believe we're a bit stuck in the stone age with goggles and swim technology and training where the other two sports have evolved to bring in technology to help make us faster i mean look at what everyone spends on their bike to help make their training more effective i've personally noticed such a massive difference in my swim training since i switched to form goggles and to me it's such an obvious no-brainer that everyone should have them but it's one of those things that you don't know what you're missing out on until you try it so trust me just try it and you'll see what i mean Head to Form Goggles website and use the discount code HTT15 for 15% off your goggles plus a free one-year premium membership. And so probably my last PTO European Open question is about Jan Frodeno. Um, the only race he really did last year was Challenge Roth where he um, had a bit of a battle with you until he uh, pulled out on the run and, and you pulled, pulled away um, to, to win that race. How did you see Jan Frodeno's performance at, at, at the PTO European Open? Uh, I was really, really impressed with what Jan did. Like, I think he was second out of the water and first <laughs> out onto the bike. Uh, it's like, it's like he, as if he never left the the sport. When you can do that on the highest level, that's uh, absolutely insane in my in my eyes. And then, of course, I beforehand I was talking uh, with my coach also that he might not have the like the pure run speed of doing you have to run 315 per kilometer in these races if you want to win and if he was able to do that then it would have been absolutely crazy uh, i think he will he will be very dangerous in hamburg where i think the the ironman distance is probably suiting him even better at the moment but generally i was really really impressed with how how he was doing and changing tact a little bit here um how do you see the rest of his year going do you think where do you sort of have him as as in a list of favorites when it comes to the ironman world championships which i assume will be your big goal of the year as well yeah it will be interesting to see him race in hamburg i think after that we kind of have a another point of where we can say okay how is he on, on it's very different racing the pto uh distance compared to an Ironman and if you ask me he's probably better suited for the Ironman at the moment so I'm really looking forward and will follow Hamburg very close uh, obviously he's focusing on these I guess also and I'm not sure he I know he's a good bike handler uh, but I'm not sure how how well he uh, he goes uphill so that will be interesting but if he if he raises knees, if he makes makes it to the start line, then you can be one hundred percent sure that he is uh, very fit. So, <laughs> I think you you can never never underestimate a guy like Jan. 
And so your next big race, um, which I just mentioned that you won last year, Challenge Roth, uh, how's everything going for that? How's the, the lead into that going? Yeah, so my next race, as you say, will be in Challenge Roth. It's a race that means a lot to me and I'm really looking forward to come back uh, this year and try to defend my title. Uh, I just started the classical Ironman training after uh, the PTO race in Ibiza and it's it's something that I really enjoy actually training for, for Ironman uh, distance races. I think it's the the training it's it's I really enjoy it even though it can be very long and and tiring on the body sometimes but I feel like it's yeah I cope better with that type of pain than going uh, really hard for two or three hours so I am uh, really excited about Roth and I think the the training is is going to plan uh, I was in an altitude camp uh, going into. Uh, the PTO race so that was my first time trying that out and that was also really fun actually to <laughs> I'm quite quite of a, a nerd if you could say that so I really enjoy taking an active part in uh, planning my training and, and experimenting with altitude training for instance so that was uh, yeah interesting and and now it's full focus on Roth and yeah I think it's it's looking like it's going to be uh, the start field is already out and it will be a very, very <laughs> tough field. So that's good. Who are you most looking forward to racing at Roth? Is it Sam Laidlow who who got the better of you at Kona last year or is it Joe Skipper who, you know, races a little bit differently to you but again um, had a great day last year at Kona? Yeah, I think obviously Laidlow is a, a difficult uh, man at the moment to to figure out where he is actually how how it's going with him i think after kona he was on everybody's uh, everybody was talking about him and then he had a really good race in gran canaria and didn't uh, race in ibiza and then i did not finish in lanzarote but for me i'm not going to after what he did in kona i will never underestimate him again so i think he will be a huge threat and he kind of races the same way as I do except that he has a better swim so he's probably someone that can can uh, make my race a little bit harder when he's out in front pushing the pace so that's something that I'm I'm aware of and then we have another Dane uh, Daniel Beckegaard uh, racing also which I know he did a really great Ironman distance uh, at the end of last year so He's also going to be a factor if he's close uh, after the bike. I think he ran a two thirty eight or thirty seven marathon in Israel. So, and then uh, uh, Patrick Lange is uh, <laughs> him and I have had some really tough battles uh, throughout the years, and uh, actually he <laughs> we have kind of a, a, a not a beef but a funny little. I've never. Uh, I've raced him a lot of times, and I've never, I've always won against him. So I, <laughs> I hope to to continue that in Roth. But I think that he's going to be. I mean, if, if he can run a two thirty again like he did in Israel, then you have to have a really a strong bike if uh, if you <laughs> don't want to be caught after that. Are you at all worried about like some other people in that race when when you not worried, but? Is there some other people in that race who you think could sort of um, jeopardize you going back to back and defending your title? Like, 
you know, like I mentioned, Joe Skipper or um, maybe guys like Ben Canute or Clement Mignon. Is there anyone else that you think could potentially be be a bit of a like a surprise packet when it comes to to winning that race? Uh, I think also Ben Canute. I completely forgot about him when I spoke before. He's also he's a guy that's going to work uh, really hard on the bike also and has to swim so. With Ben and Sam in the race, I think it, it will be a bigger challenge for me to bridge up. But uh, yeah, I think for an Ironman, it's very like it's such a long day and anything can happen. And I have found that the best way for me is is to focus on, on my own tasks and not get too caught up. Like for instance, in the, in the, when you are racing a PTO race, there is so many athletes on the start line that can potentially win so when you line up it it's not really cons- like uh, good for you to think about 20 different guys on the start line and what they are going to do and how i'm i will be impacted by that so sometimes you also have to to get back to your own game plan and not focus too much on what what other people are doing can you tell us about your game plan uh haven't made it 100% yet, but uh, I think if you, it will also, I know uh, probably some of the guys, uh, some of the favorites, there is always one or two guys that's not racing for some reasons, unfortunately. So we always wait with making the final plan before we know who is actually in <laughs> in the town uh, at the press conference, conferences and, and stuff like that. But I think for me it's it will be important to like I did last year close the gap to the front guys and hopefully uh, not bring Patrick with me. Uh, maybe there is even a chance that because he's also one of the guys that can hit that front pack on the swim, so he might even be with the front group uh, already out of the water. Which then I think. Uh, yeah, basically everyone should have an interest in in working hard on the bike to see if we can get rid of him. Uh, so he will probably be my main uh, worry on the bike to try and and gap him. And then I'm confident in in my run on the Ironman distance uh, last year. I did yeah two forties. I think this year I will, I'm hoping to go a little bit faster. If I can get my crystal ball out. I think no doubt I'll be talking to you at least once, if not twice, before the the World Championships in Nice this year. So as much as I want to take this conversation towards the Ironman World Championships and chat to you about the course, which I think you're going to be a really fascinating part of, I'm going to hold off on that and we'll, we'll talk about that a little closer to the race. Um, and I'm going to, going to take another drastic shift here and, and ask you about the Colin Chartier situation, Magnus, because you are someone who... who you, you, like your opinions, one I've been looking forward to, um, being a relatively new guy to the the Ironman and seventy point three world compared to some of the old heads that I've talked about. So, can mm. you give me your your take and opinion about that situation? Yeah, I can definitely. Uh, it's a really difficult topic uh, to talk about, of course, and it's uh, super sad to see. I was kind of living in my own world, maybe, or that. Since I'm such a young guy coming up the ranks so quickly, I was maybe having a bit of a uh, not very mature view on how the sport uh, 
is working and I thought that no one in triathlon was doping because the way I have seen how I have got uh, to the top uh, of the rankings and the races I have won. So I kind of believed that if I can do it this way, then surely a, a lot of other other guys can do it. So it, it came as a huge uh, shock and surprise for me. I was in uh, altitude came in Fondromeu when it happened and I remember uh, it was actually my agent that sent the the article to me where, when I saw it the first time and my first reactions was actually not that uh, I'm, of course I was shocked but it was not until kind of the I, I read about it before uh, uh, Colin had made his own statement and before everything exploded on the social media and I think after that happened like everything was just uh, amplified because it was basically everywhere and it was so difficult for me to i was on a on the top of uh, a mountain uh, for five weeks training my ass off uh, only seeing my girlfriend uh, pretty much uh, and working really hard towards this goal and then you see this guy uh, being caught for epo and I remember the the following training sessions I was doing. I was just I couldn't really motivate myself because I was just thinking thinking about how much I was investing in this. And then if a guy like uh, like that can just come uh, from the outside and take shortcuts towards success, it was really difficult for me to to motivate myself in that period. Uh, so it was a yeah a huge shock, and I think. I was actually, I'm one of the, I raced against Colin uh, quite a few times and and I got second to him in the PTO US Open and a lot of people have reached out to me and tagged me in comments that I should contact someone, a lawyer or someone to see if we can get the money back that, that Colin, uh, even though he says that he only started doing it afterwards that he took from me, that people believe he took from me. And to me, that really doesn't matter at all. The only thing I was kind of thinking about was how we could make this system work even better because I think it's really not uh, like it's not good enough how the anti-doping system is organized and structured at the moment. So I all the people that messaged me about uh, Colin taking my victory in US Open and stuff like that doesn't matter at all to me. I was kind of my my main focus or thought was that we really need to put some some structures in place that can prevent this from happening uh, of course you can say it's good that a, a guy get gets caught but yeah it's i would just like to see some more action from um i'm not maybe not the, an expert in how it should be but i certainly think that there could be done a lot more to to towards anti-doping in general so I hear you there that you don't care about the, the prize money or, or, or getting that first place next to your name. But the only question I have there, Magnus, and I know you listen to, to my podcast um, regularly, so I'm assuming you did listen to the Colin episode. Yeah. Do you believe him that he only started doping late last year or do you think that, that he was doping? In your opinion, do you, do you maybe suspect that he was doping before he says he was? 
Uh, I mean, I can. I. It's. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to say, but I think from from I remember that the interview came out uh, pretty late in the evening or almost in the middle of the night in the European time, and I actually woke up uh, in the middle of the night night to listen to it, and I just thought that. I don't want to say that he was doping uh, much before. Obviously, he says that he was also already experimenting with some uh, stuff close to what you what is illegal. Uh, but it's yeah, it's just difficult to believe anything uh, what he says for me. And I think in the interview he gave to you, he contradicts himself. Uh, more than yeah, three or four times just uh, in a 35-minute interview. So it's clear that he's, he's saying he's not telling the truth whether the the time, uh, like the time he started say doping, he claims he started doping is, is true or not. Uh, I can't really speak about that, but it's clear that, that he's missing a lot of uh, details and and some of the things he's telling is really not true so yeah difficult to to believe and and to know what to believe about that case i just hope that it's someone is looking closely into it and how's your motivation been since have you sort of moved past it and and been able to forget about it or has it left you thinking i like maybe i am racing against some people who aren't clean and 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 are you still struggling with motivation at all like you spoke about you were directly after hearing the news yeah it was mainly uh, like some days after where it was i was uh, i was still able to complete my training and and stuff like that but it just felt like i was walking in a gray uh, space uh, in my head not really uh, having the same drive and uh, now i'm it's not something I'm thinking about uh, that ex- is like that exact case uh, every day, but it's it's just really annoying because it it puts everyone in a bad perspective. Like it it affects the whole sport. So every time an, a new athlete or an athlete in general does something super super amazing and has a huge performance, it's difficult not to have at some point a thought about doping after a case like that so it's it and that's probably going to take some time to to not think like that way because it's just yeah it affects the whole sport and it's really a shame for the people that works hard and uh, achieves amazing results moving away from the the doping topic to to sort of the thing i wanted to close the show on which me and you talked about last year in our chat I'm, i believe it was one of the first places if not the first place it was talked about in the triathlon world which is um whatever it is you've got down the down the front of your tri suit when you're on the bike and it was pretty funny because when we talked about it it was like the very first example of it ever happening and yeah. now it's become controversial in its own way this hasn't it and and i blame you like i put all the blame on you and uh (laughs) like we see what joe skipper does with with the spaceship where he couldn't see where he was going and actually went um 20k off course at 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 texas because he couldn't see um let's let's talk about this whether this is breaking the rules or not whether this is using a fairing because a lot of people think that yourself and joe and and you know sam laidlow and everyone else who's used this gustav they believe that it's breaking the regulations or the rules of, of racing. 
um, by the letter of the law, but but nothing's being done about it. Can you sort of talk to me about this situation? Yeah, so it's it's a bit of a, like a controversial topic. Like the rule says that uh, that it's a fairing if it doesn't serve a purpose, I believe, and and then the argument for having a like I think putting arrow bottles, for instance, all over your cockpit is that uh, Joe is using it for, or we are using it for nutrition. So it's like, then it has a purpose, uh, but I think it's unclear if those arrow bottles are actually being used during the race. So it's just, maybe there should be some more uh, specific rules on that, on, that, on that department because yeah, it's pretty easy to just say that you're using the same with putting a, a bottle down the, into your tri suit. Then it's serving the purpose of nutrition. That's how, how the rules are written. You cannot have something that is not uh, attached on your bike that is not really serving a purpose other than aerodynamics. So have you been in the wind tunnel? I, I don't know why I'm asking this. I know you would have. I know how detailed and meticulous you are about your position. So I'll, I'll reshape the question. When you go into the wind tunnel, how much testing have you done around it uh, about how much it actually saves? Uh, the, the, it's pretty simple to when uh, you are in the wind tunnel to to do that test to see how much it saves. It's It doesn't take uh, much time. So that's actually one of the easiest uh, things you can do because it's not you don't have to like for instance a position if you want to optimize a position there's a lot of different uh, parameters you can change like the stack and the reach and angles and also that's the the chest fairing is just one that you put uh, into a suit and then you test if it's faster or not so that's pretty pretty easy it doesn't take that much time <laughs> And are you going to let us in on how many watts uh, your your chest fairing or your your drink bottle or whatever the mystery product is you put down there saves? Uh, it's, it depends on the, uh, on a lot of factors like the wind angle and stuff like that. So I think it's I think I will keep <laughs> that one to myself <laughs> if I'm allowed to. <laughs> will you tell me what you'd put down there? Are you going to reveal that to me? Uh, usually it's like a bottle. 750 mil, 500 mil, what are we talking? How, how full is it? Uh, it doesn't really matter how much, like the size for me at least. And do you add any fluid into it so you can say it's for hydration? Yeah, I actually on Kona, I had, I was using it. Uh, I'm giving away a lot of detail now. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, I was putting it into the freezer uh, during the night with some water in it. So it was a, uh, when I jumped onto the bike and put it into the tri-suit, it was like an ice cube, pretty much, the, the bottle. And then it was also serving uh, the function of uh, cooling. So that's kind of two two pretty nice features to it. Do you, as long as the rule doesn't change or um, in, until Ironman or the PTO or Challenge, whoever it is, um, decide they're going to enforce that rule and go, hey, we think you are just getting an aerodynamic benefit from like a fairing. We don't actually believe that you're doing it for hydration or fueling purposes. Do you, within yourself, do you just look at it as like, hey, this is a no-brainer that we should do this or do you see it as a grey area? Uh, until it's been like, 
uh, until the rules have changed or some more strict uh, wordings on it, I think it's it's okay to do it. I couldn't agree more for the record. I think it's awesome. And I love, that's one of the things I love about you, how innovative you are with with everything that, that comes to, to your bike position, technology. I think there's a reason why you're riding so fast and um, a, a big chunk of it is physiological and psychological, but you know, you're an ultimate professional and, and, and sort of forcing the game forward with the work you do behind the scenes with, with your position and your equipment. So yeah, for, for the record, um, even though I'm pushing you on the <laughs> questions, I actually, I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're really pushing me on the belly. <laughs> I just think it's interesting because so many people have talked about this on Instagram and, and when they're watching races. Yeah, but- it's crazy. Uh, and I will say it's not a huge... Uh, I remember I was spectating at uh, the race, the ITU uh, race after uh, Ibiza, the day after uh, the PTO race, and I saw a lot of like uh, age groupers doing it also. Which <laughs> I think it's 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 cool to see that they also that that that's happening. But then I also saw someone having it on the side, like maybe it was <laughs> a lot of people had placed it wrong. So it was on the side of the suit and it just looked so, so weird. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and it's really not a huge gain. So I think some, <laughs> yeah, I should be careful, but it's like, uh, yeah, very small, small gains and, and people like you can get much more out of, of good and structured training, but then again, it's very easy just to put something down the, the suit. Yeah. And I just figured someone has to go to the source. You're the bloke who started in triathlon. <laughs> with, you had the idea before anyone else in the sport. I had to come and ask you about it because it was getting a bit – Joe Skipper sort of took it to the next level where he was like just having fun with it and everyone was talking about it. So I'm like, next time I talk to Magnus, I'm asking him every question. People actually want to hear about this and, yeah, probably – Probably, you know, I, I sort of went a bit like um, journalist then, didn't I? Like I was really digging, but it was... Uh... You were really pushing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's very obvious. People already know about it. So it's uh, it's not really a secret anymore, even though I was trying to keep it uh, a secret for some time. But uh, yeah, I will have to find some other uh, arrow games in another way. Yeah, I love it. And then I can push you about that in the future. Um, <laughs> thanks, East yeah. Magnus. Thanks for sharing all that data with me during the week last year, that uh, last week, sorry. That was that was awesome. And, and then for being so open uh, open and honest about stuff here, like, mate, absolute absolute um, treat that is for, for myself and for everyone listening and, and viewing on Instagram and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we owe you a lot for, for sharing that information with us and being so candid. Um, thank you for coming on, mate. Thank you for your first appearance uh, on the, the Triathlon Hour. Uh, like I said, I'm sure we'll have you on many times this year and many, many times in, in the future future years. Um, always a pleasure to chat to you, mate. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, sorry that you had to wake up during the middle of the night and, and sacrifice your training to listen to that Colin interview. <laughs> uh, I couldn't sleep, so it's okay. <laughs> All right, Magnus. Thanks heaps, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day and um, I'll Thank chat you. to you around Roth. Good luck with, with the build. Yeah, chat to you. Thanks. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. If you're unsure what nutrition brand might be best with you for your training and racing, then you've got to try Precision Fuel and Hydration. I started really trialing different nutrition brands about four months ago, and Precision was easily my favorite. Great taste, great texture, lots of different options, and I've never once had an upset stomach or felt any nausea while using it. It's cheaper than other brands I was using too, which is great, especially for a premium product. And now I tell everyone I know who trains that they've just got to try it. 
because once you start using it, you won't go back to another nutrition brand. And we're lucky here on the show to have a discount code for it since I reached out to them once I realized I didn't want to actually use any other nutrition brands. That discount code is HTT23 and it gets you 15% off your Precision Fuel and Hydration order. So head over to Precision Fuel and Hydration's website and get yourself some. 